Hello, this is Tim Ashoff, president of Creek Carrier Corporation. I'm here today with Chris Hookham, and he's our vice president of risk management and associate general counsel. We're here today to talk about uh, the ELD mandate. We're going to kind of do it in two parts. The first part is going to be what we're doing here at Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking and Hunt Transportation to be compliant with the ELD mandate. Just to get it right out there out front, we are 100% compliant. You're going to be fine. Nothing to worry about, but we're going to walk through some of the more, I'll call it technical components of the rule that sometimes you might be hearing out there on the radio or otherwise, hey, what type of device do I have? Is it compliant? How long is it compliant? So Chris is going to run through some of that information. The second part of this, then, I'm going to talk to probably drivers that is more that are with Crete or Schaefer or Hunt right now. We get a lot of questions in right now from drivers that are talking about their company doesn't have electronic logs. And so if they're interested in coming on board with the company that does, what does that mean? How do we help you? How do we make it easy for you to do that transition? And then finally, of course, we're going to take some time to take some of your questions. So appreciate you joining us today. And we'll get started here with Chris. Chris, can you walk down some of the as I said, we're compliant, but but tell us uh, what we're hearing about some of those technical components and how we want to make. Okay, sorry for that technical interruption there, Chris. Go ahead and, uh, why don't you take off there again? Sorry about that. Well, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, you know, during the last year, I've been asked a lot of questions about the ELD mandate and thought I'd pass along some of those questions that we had and, and our answers to those. And I, it should go a long ways in answering many of the questions that that you have. So the the first question I always get is, well, tell me again, when's the effective date of this ELD mandate? And the effective date is December 19th of, of this year. So we're 15 days away from the effective date of the ELD mandate. So what does the ELD mandate require? Well, I, I think most of you probably know the answer to that. But essentially what the ELD mandate requires is that if you are required to use paper logs, come December 19th, you need to transition into an electronic logging device. And that can come in two forms. And we'll get more into the technical definitions of these. One is an electronic logging device or an automatic onboard recording device, also known as an AOBRD. So what is an AOBRD? Well, an automatic onboard recording device is a compliant device under the under the uh, ELD mandate. Uh, it functions much like an ELD does, meaning that it connects with your truck's engines and pulls data to help establish your hours of, of service in an electronic form on an electronic log. But it doesn't meet all the technical specifications of an true ELD. For example, uh, an AOBRD is not going to be able to transfer uh, data to a DOT officer use, utilizing an ELD records system. You're still going to be able to show the DOT officer your screen, still going to be able to fax them that, that log, but it's not going to be able to connect in the same way as an ELD does. Carriers that are currently using AOBRD devices have an additional two years to put into place true electronic logging devices. So they don't have to be in place until December of 2019. And Chris, we'd be one of those carriers because our Omnitrax Qualcomm devices, which have electronic logging on it, as you all know, 
uh, are one of those grandfathered devices because they meet all the essential requirements of the rule, just not some of the technicals that are required in 2019. That, that's absolutely right. So the most common question I get is, is Creek Carrier, Schaefer Trucking, and Hunt Transportation, are they compliant? Will they be compliant? The answer is a resounding yes. We are 100% compliant with the ELD mandate. All of the units in our trucks are qualified grandfathered AOBRD devices, so we are compliant uh, through December of 2019. And during this two-year transition period, we will be working to transition all those ARBRD, AOBRD devices to ELD devices. Uh, and that's going to be software upgrades as well as some hardware upgrades. But we'll, we'll work through that transition period. But we are 100% compliant as of December 19th. And we'll be uh, fully, you know, and, and, and so there's no worries there. And we'll transition fully to those ELDs long before that two-year transition period ends. One of the other questions I get is, what happens to non-compliant drivers or non-compliant companies after December 19th? So I'm utilizing paper logs. On December 19th, I still don't have a qualified device. What happens? Well, the FMCSA has indicated that they're going to have a soft enforcement period until April 1st. Now, what does this mean? Well, the soft enforcement period means that uh, you may still be issued a ticket for not having a qualified ELD. And that ticket may, uh, may contain some financial penalties, but you're not going to be placed out of service and you're not going to have CSA points against your record, but you still may receive a ticket and, and a fine. After April 1st, it's full on compliance. Uh, and so if you do not have an ELD or an AOBRD, you will be placed out of service and you will get uh, CSA scores associated with that violation. So Chris, I know you've kind of gone through a lot there, a lot of acronyms, a lot of A's, a lot of B's, a lot of E's, a lot of D's uh, in both of those. So um, if I'm a driver out there driving for Crete or Schaefer or Hunt and I get pulled over and the uh, officer is kind of looking at my device, obviously they're going to see the e-logs. We're going to be able to, uh, as we can today, fax them their, their logs if they want it. But they start talking to the driver about, well, you, you know, this doesn't transmit the logs just like I'd like it to. What is the driver to tell the officer in that event? Sure. You know, the FMCSA and their state counterparts are really working hard to make sure that their DOT officers are up and they're ready for this for this mandate. Uh, they're trying to, to teach them the difference between an ELD and AOBRD. But if you run into a problem at roadside inspection, really all you need to tell that officer is, I have a compliant grandfathered AOBRD device. I'm compliant with the ELD mandate. I am grandfathered is the key word there. And we're gonna send you out a message by your Omnitrax device this week and next uh, that will have that grandfathered language in there for you. So you have a reminder of that. Well, as we also, as we look to get you out your new permits for January, we'll put something in your permit book to help you remind, remind you of that as well. So you shouldn't have a problem uh, first of all, I don't think very many, if any, uh, of the inspection officers will even ask you about that. I think they're familiar with this. They've been well-trained. They have a guidance bulletin, I think, coming out again in two days from what I've read to give them some further guidance. So I think it's going to be fine, but in the event you do get asked that question, we want to make sure you have that right there at your fingertips so you know how to respond. 
so again, I think overall, Chris, nothing for Crete Schaefer Hunt transportation drivers to be worried about. Nothing to be worried about at all. We're 100% compliant. All right, great. So I'm going to transition now and talking to some of the uh, drivers out there that have called into us and, and uh, into other resources asking about, okay, I know it's time. I need to transfer to a company that is going to be and already is ELOC compliant. How do you help me with that? What does that mean? Well, I think the first thing to remember, and sometimes this gets lost, is that moving to electronic logs doesn't change anything with respect to hours of service. The hours of service rules aren't changing. I know you all out there as good drivers fundamentally know the, those rules. So using the electronic device is really a means to help you comply with those rules, to get rid of that paper, to help keep track of the time for you. Now, why is this such a big deal then? Well, I, I think we all know it's such a big deal because um, there, there are ways that uh, there isn't full compliance with those rules, I guess we'll put it out there. And so um, we understand that. We've, had, we've been e-log compliant, certainly complying with the hours of service or rules for a long, long time, been e-log compliant for over five years. So we've gone through that transition as a company. And there's a number of key elements that we did in, in going through that, trans, uh, that transition, all of them really focused on keeping you, the driver, productive because that's what you really need to make a living out there. Uh, you need to keep the wheels moving as they say. So when we've gone, went through this transmission, we had a transition, we had to do a number of things. One of the biggest things we did is go out and look at all of our lanes and ensure that we have good quality productive freight and worked with our shippers and receivers to avoid any delays because it's those delays once your clock has started on that 14 hour clock that really eat into your time and certainly the electronic logging device help keep, helps you keep track of that and know where you're at in your hours. So we went through every, about three, four years ago, we went through every single lane that we run with every one of our shippers and receivers and say, how do we make sure we make that the most productive uh, lane for us? How do we make sure we use your hours the most wisely? We looked at ourselves and say, hey, could we schedule that lane better? And if we couldn't do something about it, then we worked with our shippers and receivers and say, could we schedule that lane better? If we couldn't change the scheduling, could we make a drop and hook? Could we do some other things to make those lanes productive? If ultimately we couldn't make a lane productive, then we worked to really work hard to try to replace that lane with more productive freight. Then we had to use the information we're starting to get in from the, we were getting in from the electronic logging devices to ensure we're using your hours as optimal as possible. So what we wanna do is make sure we match a load with you that, has, that uses all your available hours, whether it's on your um, 11, 14, or your 70, we want to look at that, see what the load's going to require over the next two, three, four days, and see how we can match that up best. And so certainly we integrated all that hours information into our dispatch system. Then we implemented what's called an optimizer. It's a software system that takes all of our loads out there, takes all of our drivers, takes their available hours of services, and matches those up. It says, where can I get the most effective use of the hours available for this driver and also meet the other driver's needs, such as home time and those types of things? We then give those recommendations to our uh, dispatch team, our asset managers, our load planners. And so they can look and say, what are the best loads available to match you up to utilize your hours optimally? And so that's what we've done from the system side is really to get the, the, the freight that's the most productive and then match it up with the driver that has the best hours to move that freight. I know that sounds pretty simple, but there's a lot to that. And we have to continue to work and continue to improve upon that. And we're doing that every single day. In fact, you know, as I mentioned, one of the ways to really help use your hours is to, is to really utilize drop and hook. And we have increased the percentage of our freight that's drop and hook over the last couple of years. 
with over two thirds of our freight on the, on the Crete side, uh, pickup and deliveries being drop and hook. And on the Schaefer side, over 50% of those being drop and hook. And, uh, you know, I know there's a difference there for temp control versus drive, but I can assure you on the temp control side, having over 50% of your freight drop and hook is, is very high out there. So we've made good improvement and we will continue to do that. You know, I do mention though that, you know, we do have some lanes that we went through with our customers and said, hey, we want the most productive lanes. And for the most part, that's what we have. We have really good long-term customers, but there's there's some lanes out there that we know that our customers are going to say, hey, if you want all the good freight, you have to take a couple that may not be quite as productive. So we have a few of those that are still out there. What our team then does is work hard to know which drivers have those and then back them up with another productive lane right after that. We don't want you, one driver to get caught in that cycle. So we try to balance that out and make sure you remain productive. The other thing it's really done that we've had to adapt to is that when there's a challenge with that load, you know, it used to be on the back of the driver to fix it. Uh, the shipper, the receiver would expect you to use your paper logs to fix maybe some inefficiencies they had. Now that with electronic logs, you're not able to do that, that comes back to us. And our operation team then needs to work with the shipper, the receiver, reschedule appointments, reschedule uh, delivery times, do a drop and swap on the way, do some things to keep you moving uh, to make up for what was um, an unproductive moment in that load. Uh, and that's not on your shoulders, it's on our shoulders to do that. So that's another thing mindset we've changed as, as a company over the last four or five years to ensure our operations team knows and understand that and does the best uh, they can to keep you moving. One of the things we did a couple of years ago then too, is that we still know that there's gonna be times where you're unavoidably detained. And so um, starting uh, about two years ago, we did go to guaranteed detention pay. You meet all the requirements, you know, being on time, those types of things that, that you normally do as a driver, we guarantee your detention pay automatically. So we know your time's valuable. We wanted to make sure we did that. Finally, uh, for those of you who would just be coming on board and have e-logs for the very first time, uh, you know, we've been through that. Uh, we converted all of our drivers, over 5,000 drivers from paper to e-logs. So we as a company know that. We have training that we provide for that. If you come on board, we provide that training through our onboarding uh, uh, orientation. But probably more importantly is we have a number of driver mentors out there. These are drivers that have been with Crete, Schaefer, Hunt for a number of years, been in the industry for a long, long time. And they've made that transition. They know what it's like to have converted from paper logs to electronic logs. They can tell you how to work with uh, our operations team to ensuring you're using your hours most wisely. And quite frankly, they can talk to you probably much better than I can. They know what it's like for you to be out there on the road. They know what it's like to go through that transition. So we have a group of these very willing and capable drivers, which is the great thing about being here at Creek Shaper and Hunt. We have so many uh, good drivers been around for a long time that really wanna help others. And so we have this program where we're, we're able to match you up with one of our driver mentors to where you can over the phone, um, by, me by messaging or otherwise, really talk to that driver and say, okay, this is the situation I'm in. I'm trying to plan my trip. This is what I'm seeing. How do I do this? And we found that to be very, very helpful to drivers uh, coming on board. Uh, that's first time uh, moving away from paper logs to electronic logs. And finally, I think you, like our drivers, are gonna love it. I know up front, it's a little scary, it's change. You don't know for sure, am I still gonna get uh, miles to make uh, the money I need to, to support my family? And I can assure you, once you go through that transition, you will, and you're going to love it. As I talk to the drivers that transition through it, not being tied to knowing if I'm, you know, go through that next stop, what's my paper, where's my paper log at? Do I have it up to date? Did I put the exact miles right? Did I put the time right? Did I get the stop right? Do I have my trip number in there? All those things that, you know, you can, you can 
um, you know, can be challenging for you on paper logs. Do I have my recap right? Did I add wrong? Did I subtract? Did I do something wrong? Um, that can, can, can gig you uh, at, at a, a stop. Doesn't happen with electronic logs. You know exactly where you're at as you're going throughout the day, and you don't have to get worried uh, when you go through that DOT inspection. So again, as you go through this transition, I think at the end of the day, um, looking back, um, as with many of our drivers, uh, you're going to really enjoy um, not being tied to that paper. And the other thing we do have uh, for those drivers that are coming on board, we do have um, a call center here uh, in Lincoln with a good team of very experienced uh, folks that can help drivers that have questions. So in addition to that manner, in addition to the, some of the tutoring material we provide you, some of the training, we have a call center here we can call in and, and say, hey, I've got this situation. I'm not exactly certain what's, how to, to handle this on the electronic log. How do I edit a log if I need to edit it? Um, are there those types of things to do? We have a support center here for you that will help you with those questions. So I guess from a high level, those are some of the things that we're doing. And I am seeing here that we're getting a number of questions come in. Sorry if I've missed some of those as, they, as they've come through. I'm gonna kind of try to hit those and I'll have the marketing team try to provide some of that too. Uh, a couple questions that came in beforehand even um, uh, from uh, one of uh, driver, Jerry. If the company has been 100% ELD for over a year, why should drivers be worried about this mandate? Well, as we've already said, Crete Schaefer Hunt drivers, nothing to worry about. Um, we're just fine out there. Um, we've got the uh, compliance, as Chris mentioned, already taken care of. Uh, I also saw a question then that kind of goes along with this that says, well, will we be changing out our Omnitrax units to something new? And the answer to that is over the next two years, yes, we will be. Um, as Chris mentioned, there may be some software upgrades in the meantime, but certainly by this time in 2019, we'll have new hardware devices uh, essentially in all of our trucks as well. So good question. Uh, we're going to do that over that. That's part of the reason we have two years to transition to this, as you might imagine, to try to change out all those units uh, and all the trucks at one time uh, could be hectic. Plus, we always like to put a number of units in, test them, make sure they work well. So over this next two year period, we will start transitioning to new hardware units as well. Another qu question came in from Paul, and I really do appreciate this question. And I'll kind of paraphrase it a little bit. You know, basically, it says, hey, now we have e-logs. Um, now we have other data gathering devices uh, in our trucks. We have uh, critical event devices, hard braking devices, all these devices in the truck where it really seems like anymore, drivers are really being monitored, you know, 24 seven, 365. And I do appreciate what you're saying, you, you know, from just from when I started in the industry 15 years ago, there's a lot of things that are different uh, about trucking. And, you know, the, there's things that are always in balance there. There's positives uh, about the things that uh, companies try to do. Quite frankly, there's positives about what the government tries to do. Uh, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they don't. But certainly we have to adapt. And our goal with um, as a company is as any new uh, regulation comes out, any new technology comes out, is how do we try to use that to make your life better? Um, and sometimes I know that can be, you know, in the eye of the beholder, uh, is it better or is it not? Um, you know, sometimes we talk about the good old days. I was talking with a driver here not too long ago and he goes, yeah, I remember the good old days. And we're talking about a number of things. He goes, but I like having power steering. I like having air conditioning. I have I like having a full size sleeper. Uh, and so sometimes the good old days, uh, there's good things to remember about it, but there's positive changes that come out of those. And certainly uh, the positive changes that are being seen by the industry as a whole is the safety components of a lot of these systems. Our DOT accidents are down uh, substantially um, over just four and five years ago. And even year over year, we're having a great, great year 
um, with respect to our preventable DOT recordable accidents. A lot of that we know has to do with all of you, the quality of drivers you are out there, and we appreciate that. But also it has to do with the tools we are now giving you to be that quality of driver. You know, it goes back from having the right braking systems, improved braking systems, but now to some of the safety devices we have with the adaptive cruise control, the forward collision devices. And then quite honestly, with the electronic logging devices, you know, as I've talked to drivers over the years, um, those that understand them, understand what we've done as a company, really do thank us for having them because it takes really the, the onus off of them, as I mentioned before, that when something doesn't go right at a shipper, doesn't go right at a receiver, before they were challenged to say, how do you still be productive? And often that meant you had to look at your paper logbook and say, what can I do? That onus isn't on you, the driver, anymore. It's on us. It's on us as the company to make sure you can be productive, as I mentioned earlier, to make sure we reschedule that load, that we work with the shipper receiver to make it productive. So yes, I appreciate what uh, you're saying. Uh, I think in our whole society, uh, we feel that the, you know maybe there's a little bit more big brother out there with all the technology. So our goal is to say, how do we use that in the best way possible to make your life better? And again, I know better sometimes in the, in the eye of the beholder, but certainly for us, it's how do we make it safer so you can be home with your family and that you can also be productive at the same time. Some other questions, Chris, do you have one here that we get in? Okay, well, let me, let me kind of look through here. Well, I'm seeing a lot of comments here, but maybe not uh, as much as uh, a question. So I do appreciate that. Um, question here I just seen recently, what are our trucks governed at? So we are governed at uh, 65 uh, in cruise control and 62 on the, on the foot pedal. Um, again, there's uh, um, some good reason for that as we've, we've talked about in the past. Uh, 65 with the adaptive cruise control with some of the safety devices and fuel efficiency is a peak level there. Um, 62, I know some, some of you talked about well, 62 on the pedal. Um, that, that takes away that 65. Well, typically, as we found, as we look, worked with our drivers, it doesn't because typically you're only going to be at top speed when you're out probably on the open highway. Uh, and when you're on the pedal, you're typically going you know 60 miles an hour or less going through city traffic or in situations when you shouldn't be at 65 anyway. So I uh, do appreciate that, that question. I'm looking for some more things uh, um, around here with respect to logs. Um, I'm not seeing many more on logs. We've got one here uh, on um, drive cam. Uh, do we have drive cam? Um, we do have drive cam. Chris, you want to kind of explain how we use drive cam just with the 10% of the, the fleet or so and how we, we utilize sure. that? Yeah, we do not have drive cam fully deployed. Uh, we made a strategic decision to utilize drive cam on a very small percentage of our trucks. And right now about 10% of our trucks have drive cam. And we utilize that in several different ways. Um, we uh, utilize that on existing drivers for drivers that have shown uh, a need for perhaps benefiting from additional training. So perhaps a driver uh, got into an accident or got a citation and think that driver could benefit from some additional coaching. Uh, we might put a drive cam on, you know, with that driver. That is not there forever. Uh, what we're looking for is to see that that driver behavior improve. And, uh, and so typically, you know, within two, three months, uh, that drive cam will be taken out of that, out of, the, out of that truck, assuming that, you know, we see that improvement. So it's not there forever. We also utilize uh, drive cam on our, on our recruiting end uh, to try to bring on some drivers that, that have, um, you know, some good employment history. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a month or so short, we'll go ahead and try to bring that, that driver on, uh, fit him with a, with a drive cam, try to make up that, that additional, 
uh, an additional couple months. And so we use it for a recruiting tool as well. Yeah, we really think it's a way where we can keep good drivers um, driving. And in right. the industry, it's a way to, to help that coaching because we know uh, all of you want to be safe. And so if there's been some challenges out there, this is a way to help uh, overcome those challenges. A couple more questions here. It looks like we've actually covered most of the e-log ones, but I'll hit on a few more and then we'll we'll sign off. One of them on here we, we have is uh, I think all the trucking industry needs to give their drivers a, a raise. Well, we just did. Uh, we announced a couple weeks ago that we're giving a raise again on January 1 to um, uh, essentially the, the largest majority of all our drivers, all of our over-the-road drivers and, and a number of regional and dedicated fleets. Um, we are gonna, we've been one of the top paid carriers out there certified by the National Transportation Institute for over 10 years. This keeps us on that top pay scale. We know you deserve more, as I've mentioned before. And I, I really do see pay continuing to go up um, in 2018. Uh, we'll continue to watch that, continue to do that. I know there's a comment in here about us uh, needing to, to pay drivers more because we make almost 450 per mile. And uh, I, I just want to tell you, I'd really love if we made uh, 450 per mile. I can tell you our, our average rate per mile um, on a you know on a line haul rate is going to be you know less than two dollars uh, per mile. And as as many of you now understand, we typically get paid from our customers on short route miles. Uh, but we pay all of our drivers on practical route miles. We think that's the right thing to do because that's a lot closer to what you're actually driving out there. So that rate I mentioned is even on about 4 to 5% less miles that we're actually getting paid than you run. And, of course, we don't get paid for the deadhead miles either that we pay for our drivers. So I don't want to get away from the point of drivers deserve more. You're right. I understand that. We've been working over the years to do that. As I mentioned, we've continued to raise driver pay. are going to raise again driver pay this coming January. Uh, we're doing the guaranteed detention, a lot of other things out there for our drivers. So do appreciate that. Um, just, I think that's really, I think all the questions we did have related to electronic logging. I do appreciate uh, everyone taking the time to uh, watch this today. Don't want this to go on here too long because I know you have busy days out there and uh, appreciate everything you do. Do have, for any of you that have any questions regarding electronic logs, please give us a call. Uh, certainly our existing drivers, we want to make sure you feel comfortable. Hopefully we've answered your questions. Again, nothing to worry about uh, for our existing drivers. For those of you who'd like to come to a company that has electronic logs and want to talk more about that, feel free to message us here or call into our recruiting department. Uh, that information is out at creekcarrier.com, schaeferjobs.com, uh, or hunttransportationjobs.com. All of those websites can give you numbers where you can reach out to us, and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Thank you for everything you do and have a safe rest of the week and a good December.